If you're looking at your online bulletin this morning, and you'll see at the top that this isn't just Palm Sunday, it's Palm Passion Sunday. And the reason that we call it Palm Passion Sunday is that we really can't separate Jesus' triumphal entrance into Jerusalem from his passion, which is the church's word for Jesus' suffering and death. Everything that happens this week is connected, so it would be odd, really, to skip directly from Hosanna to He is risen without acknowledging the cross, without acknowledging what happened in between, and yet a lot of people do actually expect that. You see, there are some churches that just don't go there, if you know what I mean. In the community that I served previously, there was a megachurch down the street from us that hung out a great big banner every year that said they would be celebrating Easter, they would hold Easter services all weekend, beginning on Friday. Friday, friends, is the day that Jesus was crucified. But the people of that church were gathering on Friday to proclaim that he is risen. No, for some reason, some of us just can't go there, and I think that really it's because Jesus' suffering and death makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable to talk about that. I know that's the reason a few years ago a woman stopped me on Palm Sunday after worship and told me in no uncertain terms that she hadn't enjoyed worship that day. That day, we had heard the same text that you just heard from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus weeps over the city of Jerusalem. She said to me, I didn't like worship today. Why did you have to choose that scripture? I don't want to hear about Jesus crying on Palm Sunday. Well, I have to admit, it is sort of surprising to hear about Jesus crying on Palm Sunday because it should have been, by all accounts, one of the most extraordinary days of his life. It was in the spring of the year, like it is now, and the Jewish people were preparing to celebrate the Passover, which was and is the central festival for the Jewish people. It's a festival rooted in memory, memory of slavery and deliverance, memory of liberation from slavery, bondage in Egypt. And the people remembered it as they gathered and everything they said and did and sang and ate they remembered it in every way they could, and that year it was especially poignant to remember that because they were nearly enslaved again, crushed under the oppressive rule of Rome. Tiberius Caesar was violent and cruel and fanatic and paranoid, and he brought down the full strength of his fist to keep the Jewish people in line. They were longing to be delivered again. They were praying for a leader to help them come out of that bondage. They were praying for a Messiah, and the Romans, of course, knew that. For that reason, every Passover season, they beefed up the military presence in Jerusalem to three times its normal size. And the military governor himself, Pontius Pilate, came to town just in case there was some radical, some person who thought they could lead an uprising to force the Romans out. Oh, he was 
absolutely going to keep the peace of Rome as far as he was concerned. And he was going to keep it the best way the Romans knew how, by killing. So, fueled by an ample dose of paranoia and equipped with an itchy trigger finger, the Romans were ready. All four Gospels tell us the story of Jesus entering the city at that time under those conditions. And although the four accounts differ a bit in their detail, when we put them all together, we can get a very good picture of what it was like. Friends, it was, it was like a parade. Jesus rode into the city and the people lined the streets. They, their, they, they put out their cloaks on the, on the ground before him. They broke branches off of the trees and waved them over their heads, and they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us, save us. They knew the change they wanted. They knew they needed a leader for that change, and they thought, well, this Jesus might be the leader that they had been waiting for to bring about that change they wanted. They thought that maybe this Jesus, he was the Messiah. Surely, this would have been a cloud nine experience for Jesus. He's just been welcomed into the city of Jerusalem, hailed as a hero. And yet, by the end of that day, we find him crying, weeping over the city. And friends, I think this is the part where we start to get really uncomfortable, where we would like to turn away, because the text doesn't say Jesus got emotional. It doesn't say Jesus shed a tear. It says Jesus wept. The man broke down and wept. And there's something about that that seems almost indecent. There's something about that that makes us feel embarrassed or awkward as if we're seeing something that we shouldn't see. I once went to visit a man whose wife had died in the nursing home. He waited in her room for me to come. And as I walked down the hall before I even got to the door, I could hear him crying. It wasn't a gentle weeping sound. It was very loud sobbing, and it had a quality to it that spoke of abandonment, desolation, grief. I really can't do a very good job of explaining what it sounded like. What I do know is that when I stepped into the room, I knew I was on holy ground, and I had to resist the urge to turn around, back out, run down the hall, run out of the building because I felt like I was witnessing something that I should not see. Friends, I think that's how we feel when we read this text about Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem, crying on Palm Sunday because, you know, the Bible has this way of just putting us right in the scene. We're standing right there next to him as he cries. And this makes us so uncomfortable we want to turn away, but we can't. 
We can't do that. We've got to take in both the weeping and the parade. Because if we don't, then like the crowds, we're not going to understand really who he is or what he's about, what he has to offer. You see, the reason Jesus cries on Palm Sunday is because the parade has just underscored what he already suspected. They don't understand him. They don't get it. They, they don't understand who he is. They don't understand what he's about. They don't understand his ministry. They don't understand his message. They don't understand the nature of his kingdom. They turn away. They reject it. Oh, they think they know what kind of help they need, you see. A military leader. Someone to throw out the occupier. Someone to make the peace the same way the Romans try to keep it. And this breaks Jesus' heart. If even today, he says, you knew the things that make for peace, but you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. Friends, this is the most accurate portrait of God that I know. You know, too many times our concept of God is limited to record keeper and judge. This one who watches all the time to catch us doing things that are wrong and then waits to punish us for them. But this text shows us a God of love, a God who wants nothing more than to offer grace and peace to humankind and weeps when we refuse it. Make no mistake, grace and peace, the grace and peace that only Jesus Christ can offer, that's what the people needed. But they were so caught up in their own ideas, so caught up in their own agenda, so convinced they knew the kind of help that they needed that they missed it. They missed their time of visitation from God. And this is still our issue today, friends. Too often, we think we know the kind of help that we need. We think we know the things that make for peace, but we do not. And we have our own agendas, too our own ideas about the things that make for peace, because we want peace very badly. We try so hard to get it. We think if we can just have certain things, then we'll know peace. Even today in the midst of this pandemic, there are those of us who believe that we can create peace if we can just buy and hoard enough things for ourselves, whether that's hand sanitizer or toilet paper or food. But friends, the peace that we seek is not something we can make that way ourselves. The only way to peace is through grace, the grace that only Jesus Christ can offer because you see, when we accept that grace, and allow it to transform our hearts and our lives, well then when we know grace, we can show grace. And living that way, 
loving and being loved, loving God with our whole heart and our neighbor as ourselves, well, that leads to the peace that we really long for. It leads to the kind of peace that surpasses all understanding, the kind of peace that Jesus talked about when he said, I give you my peace, but not the kind the world gives. Grace is the kind of thing that can lead us into the peace that the Hebrew people call shalom, the deep, abiding peace of God. That's what we really need. That's what we really want. And yet, somehow, that often falls to the bottom of the list. We're too busy trying to accumulate and hold. We're too busy trying to make the peace we think that we can create ourselves. Friends, no wonder Jesus weeps. Watching people that you love that much reject that kind of gift, well, that's the kind of thing that'll break your heart. That is the kind of thing that'll make a grown man weep. There's a story about a boy who was raised by a very fine family who loved him very much. They taught him morals and values. They raised him in the church. They gave him all they could to help him succeed in life. And yet, by the time he was a teenager, he was already in very deep trouble. He rejected his parents' love. He rejected their morals and values, and he engaged in behaviors that were both dangerous and damaging. The more his parents tried to love and the more they tried to help, the more he pushed away. Well, one night, his father, burdened and grieving over this, went to his son's bedroom and opened the door. The boy was asleep in bed. And next to him, kneeling on the floor, was his mother, who was silently stroking her son's hair. And she looked at her husband through tears and said, you know, he never lets me love him when he's awake. Friends, there is crying on Palm Sunday. It's the weeping of Christ who longs for each one of us to accept his love and forgiveness. It's the weeping of Christ who will give a new commandment on Monday, Thursday, love one another as I have loved you. It's the weeping of Christ who will go to the cross on Friday out of love for humankind. It is the weeping of Christ who will rise on Easter Day praying hoping that you will recognize the time of your visitation from God.